It's just after 8 o'clock in the big city. It's time for America's favorite Las Vegas sports show, Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson. <laughs> yeah. What up? Party's going on. Duh. Going to a party. Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson is brought to you by Hannah Shea Boyle and Rappaputi. Trial lawyers that get results. Visit PSBRLaw.com. Steiner's Pub, a true Nevada style pub with three locations one on Cheyenne, one on Buffalo, and one on the south end of the strip. Steiner's Pub. We love this place. Preventative Diagnostic Center. Book your non invasive scan today. Day for peace of mind, visit pdcenterlv.com. Rob Ritchie, Farmers Insurance, 702-335-5744. 702-335-5744. Laborers Union 872, the builders of Allegiant Stadium and the Las Vegas Ballpark, home of the Aviators. Promodirect.com. Use K-10 for a 10% discount on your promotion items order. Promodirect.com. And by William Hill Racing Sportsbook, America's leading racing sportsbook. Visit WilliamHill.us. So get ready because Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson starts now. Happy Monday, everybody. Welcome into the fish tank. Believe in the process. Right here on Sports X Radio, KDWN 101.5 FM, 720 AM. I am your host, Andrew the Fish Fane. With me, as always, the man, the myth, the legend, Mark Hoke. Mr. Hoke, how are you this evening? I'm doing all right. By the way, I got to give uh, one of our listeners on the previous show, Gary, a little love for the plug during Steve Sanchez's show. That was pretty awesome. The Mark Oak show I, getting I, a plug. I, I actually did not hear it. What did he say? Yeah, we got a we got an unsolicited plug about how awesome we are. Which, well, we know we're awesome. I know, but, but you know that's nice. You know, get crossover promo there. Yeah. So make sure, by the way, you listen to Steve Sanchez's show from six to eight p.m. on here on KDWN Monday through Friday. There we go. You really don't now, want me to talk about that. I'm just you, saying. No, I didn't even really don't, because someone will get very angry support. if I start talking about it. So I, I, I will leave it be and leave it right there. Because if you mention it again, I'm going to say something and people are not going to be happy. So we'll just leave it at that. Welcome in. <laughs> this is, of course, the fish tank. Believe in the process. We've got so much to go over because this is this is it. This is the the crux of, of sports right now. Baseball's heading into September. It's playoff push. The preseason is done in football. There's a full week off here before they start the NFL season in two weeks. Don't forget, next Monday, our NFL preview special. Me, Mark Hoke, and a special guest, Chris Wynn, will be joining us. We will break down all the divisions, give you who's going to win, give you some records, tell you why, who's going to be the MVP, who's going to the Super Bowl, all that. You don't even need to watch the season. Just listen to us, and you'll know it all. There you go. It's gonna be a blast. It certainly is. I just, I'm just worried about this Crux tonight. You kind of scared me. John Crux, he retired a while ago. Don't <laughs> worry about him. But th- there is, there is just so much going on, and you know, even in the world of tennis, something huge going on is Serena Williams in her last official tournament, I believe, because she's retiring. She uh, won in straight sets today, so she's moving on in flushing at the U.S. Open. So if you, you know, if you haven't had a chance to watch her, you know. I guess people who are younger didn't get to see her in her prime necessarily. Uh, she's the greatest female tennis player ever. Fish, it is a very good debate. I think there's a lot of people out there that 
now would say, oh, yeah, Serena's easily the, I, the greatest women's tennis, I, tennis player of all time. More so but, than any other debate, I really think this gets down to how old you are. Because I think people who are older will say that Martina Navratilova was the greatest female tennis player of all time. Here's the thing about Martina, and gosh, I wish I'd have known you were going to bring this up, because I would love to pull her wiki up yeah, real I know, quick. Because because it, it, is it a little bit, I will say, it's, uh, I'm giving you a chance to pull it up, so I can. that's why I'm talking. Thank you, yet. I appreciate that. I, I will say it is a little bizarre for me to bring up tennis right away, but... Serena Williams is, you know, the the Wayne Gretzky of tennis. She is the the Michael Jordan of tennis, and she's she's in that conversation as far as being the goat of her particular sport. Here's the here's where I think you could get into the debate. Is I would have loved to have seen Martina playing in this era with this equipment, and the you know people talk about strong 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 Serena is. If you didn't see Martina play, that woman was, I think she was a little mentally tougher than Serena. I would um, tend to agree with that. She would be one of the few people in terms of athleticism that would be able to at least hang with Serena. I mean, if you put the two of them in an athletic competition, it would be pretty close. I'd probably give the edge to Serena and, a little bit. And I think there is actually a third name you could put in this. There should be a fourth name, but unfortunately, due to uh, some idiot running on the court and stabbing her in the back, Monica Sellis doesn't get talked about in, the, in this regard. I think she could have been had that incident not happened. Yeah. But uh, Steffi Graf is the other one. And the, the reason that I personally give Martina the edge is I can only imagine what Martina would have done if she hadn't played so much doubles, is if you if you but look Ser at, but Serena does the same thing with Venus. Nowhere, nowhere near to the extent that Martina okay. played doubles. If you look back on her career, um, just in the doubles, she won seven Aussie Opens, seven French Opens, seven Wimbledon, nine U.S. Opens. So that's, and, uh, and she had a couple that's thirty. That's thirty Grand Slam doubles titles. And plus, I think I know she had and here, and she also had mixed doubles too. Won an Aussie Open, two French Opens, four Wimbledon, three U.S. Opens. Yeah, in, I, du in mixed doubles too. But like so, I said, I think, wow. I think I mean, anyone under the age of forty is going to say Serena. Probably. I think older the, over the age of forty, you'll probably see Martina. I think Steffi Graf is kind of in between there, but I think she kind of gets lost in the shuffle between the two. Well, she ended. She was the bridge between the two of them, pretty much. Yeah. Um, you know, Martina won her last Open right around when Steffi started winning. Um, Martina had a little stretch where she hadn't won one for a few years. I think it was 90 that she won her last Grand Slam, somewhere in there. But but Steffi, of course, just came in and blew everybody away, and then she was battling with Monica Seles, and, you know, and then Serena Martina came. Martina Hingis was there yeah. as well. Uh, there were a lot of terrific players in that era, and then Serena came. Venus came in first, and then Serena so, you know, those eras kind of crossed over just a little, but not much. Boy, it would have been, I would have loved to have seen Martina get a, instead of playing with a wood racket, playing with a graphite oh, racket. absolutely. And, and seeing what she could have done in a match against Venus and, it would, and, or Serena. It would be amazing. And I, I will say this, and, and maybe I'm wrong here, but Steffi Graf married to Andre Agassi. You would think that their children would be the greatest tennis players of all time. <laughs> you would hope. I don't know where they're at. I, I, exactly. That's, that's, what I was, that's what I was wondering. Because you would think, you know, because Agassi was, I mean, he's not going to be, he's never going to be in the conversation as one of the greatest of all time. But I think you could put him in top 20, top 25, maybe. Yeah, oh, definitely a top 20, yeah. 
And then I mean, Steffi Graf, I think, is definitely top five women of all time. Yeah, there's no doubt. I, she would be, th- those would be my top three. So, you, Of course, then you get into Helen Wills Moody back in the day and, you know, who kind of crossed over between when it was, when you didn't have open championships, it was right. invitational. But she still won, but she won after that era, too. And then you had Billie Jean King, which kind of was the next person after that. Um, Chris Everett. And then you go to Chris Everett and then Martina, Steffi. Uh, Martina Hingis and Monica Sellis, who, like I Monica said, I think, I think would have been the best of all of them had she not got stabbed in the back. Yeah, and there were a whole bunch. Justine Ennen, uh, Lindsay Davenport were pretty good. Yeah, but you know they Jennifer they, Capri. Oh, wait, Jennifer right. Capri. No, she won a few Grand Slams. She did okay. Um, but then, then, then you get into the era of the Williams sisters, and you know, you've had dominance. Yeah, I mean Kim Clijsters, but they, yeah, it, it would to me as much as I love Chris Everett. Um, it would be, I would, I would give Martina a little bit of an edge just because I think that, that mentally she would be a little tougher. We've seen Serena blow up a few times on the court, yeah, just just a but few. And Martina had Chris Everett. Serena didn't have anybody who was as good in comparison as Chris Everett was to Martina. Yeah, I mean, could you imagine if Serena would have gone? Um, no, I remember like Zena Garrison, for example, was a terrific African American player. Yeah, absolutely, back in that era with with Chrissy and uh, and Martina. I think Zena Garrison was a little after that, but she was near the. I mean, she wasn't in in their prime. She was near the end of their career. She played with them, but it wasn't could in seventy nine, eighty. Zena Garrison wasn't playing. I don't could believe. you imagine Serena playing in that era with that group of players? Because there was there were a ton of great players back then. But I mean, for the most part, it was Chrissy and. And Martina no, just beating the hell out of each other. And, and like I said, the point being, it's, it's the end of an era seeing that this is her final U.S. Open. And, and you know, it's it's good to see her retiring. And, and hopefully she'll get at least to the quarters, if not the semis. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah, I, I think it'll be a good story. Yeah. You know, I remember I remember Jimmy Connors had that big run when he was... What was that, 87 in the U.S. Uh, Open? Oh, I want to say 86. But he was... He had just turned forty, I believe, during that U.S. Open, where he had that run where he got to the semis, and you know, Courier finally ended it. But as, as far as men's tennis goes, the argument isn't nearly as close, is it? As who's the greatest of all time? Isn't it pretty much Federer and then Sampras? No, I mean, I still, you know, you've, you've still got Djokovic in there and and Rafa Nadal. I mean, they're those we're we're very lucky in terms of the men's side right now is seeing. Maybe three of the six or seven best but, of all but, time, and, but and you had that with Borg, McEnroe, and Connors, didn't you? In the in the early late yeah, 70s, but early eighties, I I think even as good as John McEnroe is, and as much as I love the guy, and I think even he would admit that he would have had a hell of a tough time beating guys like Federer yeah, and Nadal. He, he, and, he's probably not in their class. Yeah, I mean, Sampras would be the guy that would be up there. Bjorn Borg. Uh, would be in that group too, Jimmy Connors. Uh, I mean, you I mean, you get early, back to Rod Laver too. You, but, say you go early, you go Fred Perry. So well, you, you, know. can, you, you get a little Fred Perry in there, but that this group that is here now, boy, I you know I just have a hard time even seeing. I mean, Sampras would be an interesting matchup against those guys, but otherwise, I I think we're really, was, when, when Sampras was playing, he kind of stood out because there wasn't. I mean. There were guys that were good, don't get me wrong, because Sampras played with Agassi. He played with Jim Courier. Uh, there were guys that were good. Horse but there, Becker. 
Yeah, Boris Becker, but there was nobody who was on quite the level of Sampras. Like, Federer and Nadal and Joker are all on that same level. I don't think anyone had, was that close to Sampras when Sampras was playing. Yeah, could you imagine if these guys have been separated and not been in the same era? I mean, <laughs> it, it... And maybe maybe Federer doesn't hold the record for, for most Grand Slams at that point. Yeah, the, and... You know, what's happening to Djokovic right now not being able to play in the U.S. Open is ridiculous. But It is, but it's also his, his own, it's, it's of his own doing. I don't well, want to say it's his own it, fault. Isn't it time for those restrictions to be gone? I mean, really? Yes and no, but, you know, but you know the restrictions are there. Well, you know, and that's, that's fine, I'm, and I'm glad he's sticking up for himself, but I think a lot of people are kind of looking at that saying this is pretty ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, and, and he's just, lo- all, sadly, what's happening is he's losing years. Yeah. Because he's still going to get older. But anyway, that, that, that's enough tennis. Like I said, I just wanted to start off because otherwise Serena will get, the, 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 that story will kind of get lost in the shuffle because of everything that's going on in sports. Like I said, basketball's about to start their training camps. Football training camps just ended. By the way, you see the story about Brian Robinson? Yeah. Wow. Dude, he was going to be the starting running back. He was going to take over for Antonio Gibson. He was going to be a rookie, third-round pick, I think, yep. out of Alabama. Going to be the starting running back for the for the Commanders. Got shot in the butt. Yeah, I think he got shot in the butt in the leg too. Yeah, if I remember and basically right. it's because and it's because he stopped the carjacking. Yeah, yeah, and guys, this is a as an Uber driver as well. Here's a piece of advice for everybody: there is no motor vehicle worth your life. Absolutely not. No. Just, the problem just, is when you're that age, you also feel invincible as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he was probably looking at this. I could take this guy, but you know, but you don't know if he's. You know, packing heat or not. Yeah, and, and I, saying, and, I, don't, I don't care how fast your 40 was, the bullet's going to be faster. Right. And it was just a matter of, look, your insurance will cover it. Just walk away. Here you go, guys. Here you got my car. But, uh, you know, in a lot of those cars, you can trace it too. But, you know, there's. Yeah. I, and I don't want to blame him here either. No. For it, obviously. But uh, it's just a shame that that has to happen. And I, part of it's because I, you know, I had my fan, one of my fantasy football drafts on Saturday. Oh. And I was a Saturday morning. So it was before the news came out. I was very excited because I was able to get Brian Robinson late thinking, oh, this guy's going to be asleep or people don't know about him. They don't know that he's going to take over Antonio Gibson. And sure enough, he gets shot. Well, <laughs> well hopefully he'll be back soon. You know, it, it, apparently they weren't, the wounds weren't too bad. Exactly. And- I, I think that he may go on the non football pup list, which means he'll have to miss the first four games of the year, but it wouldn't surprise me to see him week six or seven. Yeah, poor guy got Forrest Gumped. Yeah. <laughs> just a, 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 Some bit me! But it, it's just a poor shame fella. that these are the kind of stories. You know, the, the, the other horrible story, and it's, it has to do with my bills. Yeah, they, they cut their punter because of the of the rape allegations. Yeah, and... You know, they, called, I mean, his nickname was the Punt God, so... Yeah, I mean, had that... 82-yard punt in the exhibition season, and uh, and the, apparently the Bills knew there was may have been something going on, but they decided to go with them, and I guess they didn't think it was that serious. But apparently it is because San Diego State, and now apparently, and I, I, I'm just seeing this this new story now. It's they they have to defend their handling of of the of the allegation. I don't understand why they have to defend it. If it happened, there's nothing to defend. You have to report it. You have to do something about it. Damn. I don't care who's involved. It, 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 nobody's above the law, and I hate to sound ridiculous, but nobody should be above the law. Yeah, and yeah, it's, and it's unfortunate, but you know, we'll, we'll, you know, but you never know. Things you know, we we've seen many times where things have been alleged that haven't happened. Well, you know, I, I mean, I one of the, part of the problem is because there, there's no criminal complaint filed. It seems yeah. to, it's all a civil complaint. See, and that's that's an issue too. You know, we could get into you know we'll end up reliving Duke lacrosse all over again. 
but you know, without I, I, uh, and, and it's funny because yeah, I'm trying to do this without ticking anybody off. You won't. You you want to be able to believe people when they say that, that these things happened, and then that Duke and so everyone was so quick to judge the Duke lacrosse players, and I was one of them. And to find out that the whole story is completely bogus, what do you do at that point? You know, and and this is, it's a product of the news cycle that we've had for the last 15, 20 years, especially recently. You know, it's it's really important for everybody to break news because, unfortunately, it, it's not like when you had the NBC Nightly News and your late local news and the newspaper came out the next morning and there was time. You, know, you get a story and there's so much pressure to get the story out there and... And have details. And unfortunately, a lot of these stories, when they, when they happen, you don't have the details. And you can't jump to a conclusion. You can say, this happened. Okay, so this person is involved in this. Boom. And But, but too many journalists today want to just try and find every little thing that they can too quickly and rush to judgment. And, you know, people get hurt when you do that. And we've, we've seen it a ton of times. I mean, that Duke lacrosse case... That that turned out to be a, a social justice battle that should have never happened. It was sad, and, and those kids, those kids and their families got destroyed for that. Absolutely, and like I said, and you know the story comes out, and I was one of the first ones to to, to jump all over and be, because you have to, you can't just say that the the, the the victim is lying. No, but what you can say is there's a case. This is what is alleged to have happened. We'll see you in court. And as details come out, then you bring the details out. But you can't but just... But what do you do? But, okay. And, and granted, so, but what do you do with the people who are being accused during that point? Because their lives have to be in limbo. Because, I mean, you it, it's, it's very analogous to what happened, and I'll say it, with the WWE with Chris Benoit. Before they knew what happened, they had that whole Monday night when they were memorializing him. Mm-hmm. And then it came out what actually happened. And it turns out that they realized what a huge mistake they made. So you have to kind of put somebody in limbo, and that's unfair to them as well. Because, like, if it turns out that nothing happened or, or the allegations for the punter aren't true, then he just lost his job for no reason. Yeah. And and that's a decision, a decision that the Bills had to make. Do you keep him on and accept the publicity? Or do you just let him go and be done with it? And And especially because it's a punter. You know that that's a fairly yeah, I mean, easy decision. It, I, it, I'm not suggesting you know. it is, but what if it was Josh Allen? If it was Josh Allen, they're probably going to stick with him through it, and they're going to have the PR machine rolling. That would be my guess. Um, you know the the allegations against Ben Roethlisberger that turned out to be a nothing burger. Right. Uh, you know that that was. You know, that that nearly destroyed Ben young, very it, early it, in his it, career. It could have very easily done that. Yeah. You're a, you are absolutely correct. And you you have to take these things with a grain of salt now. And that's and, and that's my issue with with. And again, I'm not trying to condemn the whole thing because I think it's done tremendous tremendous work and it needed to be out there. But the Me Too movement, it becomes an issue because then anyone can say anything, and we uh, you and you're the villain if you don't believe someone. Well, and well, that depends on your perspective. You you have to when when all that happened. Now you hear you know all these stories coming, all these stories are coming, all these stories are coming out. But you have to realize that there's another side to it, and you can't just believe somebody right off the bat. Can, do you you know if you're the police or so on, 
you take down the facts and you do, you do the investigation. And unfortunately, a lot of times what, what happens in journalism now, it, it doesn't become journalism becomes opinion. And, oh, you know, oh, there's no doubt this happened. Da, 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 da. And there's no doubt this person's guilty. Well, yeah, there is until it's proven. And but then did it, we jump? Did we jump too fast on, on the Deshaun Watson on the let's let's hang him up? You know because nothing's been proven there either, and everyone's complaining. I was one of them complaining. He got only eleven games and five million dollars. Well, you know, nothing's been. And this is the problem: is we don't have the luxury of time, especially when you're in in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in an industry where your career is that short. Well, and and I said, and this is what I said too, when it. They decided not to indict him with two different grand juries. You have to take that into consideration. You have to. And I'm sure the NFL was probably open to a small point. Gee, I hope they indict him because then we're going to nail him to the wall and we have a reason to. Now it becomes subjective and there's a lot of he said, he said, she said. And, you know, I heard people say, well, she said it 23 times, apparently. Yeah. And, (laughs) you know, if somebody does a settlement, they're guilty, and that's not true. That is not true. A lot of companies and a lot of people will do a settlement just to say, I'm done with it. We, we, we don't want to get into court. We don't want the negativity. We've already wasted, and it, for it lack of a better term, we've already, wasted en- yeah, we've already wasted enough time with this. Because if, if Deshaun Watson would let those lawsuits go forward, he could be bankrupted for the rest of his life. Oh, whether, whether all these women are telling the truth or not, and we, we don't know. But he just said, you know what, here you go, money, go away, go away, and that's what happened. Right, and that's the problem, because for, for every Deshaun Watson, there's a Harvey Weinstein, you know, right. it, where it actually did happen. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> you just have to wait. Yeah. The world needs to learn a little patience again until the facts come well, out. And, and that's the problem. You, you didn't have this problem in the 70s and 80s necessarily, at least not to this extent, because there was no social media. Well, there, plus we there, had responsible journalists back then, too. But, but, you watch ESPN. And those guys just, you know, they'll they'll throw anybody under the bus in 10 but, seconds when a story comes t- out. And that's what I'm saying. If there's reason why there was responsible media back then is because they had all the time in the world in comparison. Today, you you know, you break you have to break the story on Twitter immediately and it's immediate and you could there there wasn't anything like that in the 70s yeah, and 80s. You still have to you still have to break it responsibly. This is something like when I did my poker show a long time ago and I still do it with the wrestling show. All these, a bunch of different, you'd hear all these stories about cheating allegations and people getting ripped off and all this kind of stuff. And like the whole uh, full tilt issue. And you would, and what I did was as much as I'd love to, and, and, you know, I'd hear things. People would tell me things all the time. But until I had substantiated evidence or the, you know, the stories that come out that here's exactly what happened, I would say, this is alleged. We're going to, wait and see, and people would try to, you know, and of course people would try to get you to dig deeper into it, and and the thing is, is that if you're responsible as a journalist, you're going to say, wait till the facts come out, wait, wait, because the war, the one thing that you don't want to do as a journalist, which happens so much today, is you assume that this, on the, the side of a story, the way you want it to go, they go with it, they push it, and then all of a sudden you're wrong. You're wrong, and you lose credibility all over the place, well, and, and it happens a lot. Right. Well, the other problem is the story, the initial story is on the front page. The retractions on page eight. Right, 
which is very annoying to me, and I think it's sad, and I think that you need to, um, that, that journalists, I think they're, they may be starting to learn a little bit, but not a lot. Yes and but no, because, gotta, but because you, the problem is, and we just said it, you have to be the first one out there with the story, and, and sometimes it used to, when I was in, in, in college and I majored in journalism, three sources, independent sources, mm-hmm. you had to have three sources yep. who can corroborate your story before they would run with any story. Right. I, I don't think that it's the three-source rule anymore. Or oh, they're not, they're no, not abiding it's not. By it. It's not. And and a lot of times it's what side of the, the coin you want to be on, you report it from that side. And, and you know, it's sad. It, you, you know, Any time an allegation comes out, it needs to be treated as such. And, and now more than ever, politics actually is starting to shade things, too. Yeah, well, that's been happening for a long time. No, there, but, but I mean, but more so but, now because the country itself is so divided, whether you be right, left, whether you be a Trumper or not, whatever it is. And I'm not suggesting one side's right or, or wrong because that's not, we're not a political show. But politics absolutely shades everything we're doing now. Yeah, and you see it on ESPN. Look, their ratings are way down because they've. They've swung political. I'm you, say no, that, but their ratings are way down because, and I said this years ago, their product is absolute crap. Yeah, I mean it's it's, it's, it's a good be, combination. It used to be absolutely phenomenal. They used to be the go-to place. Oh my god, yeah. And it didn't matter what kind of competition because Fox Sports came out with Fox Sports News. Remember there was CNN SI, and that that all came out, and they couldn't touch ESPN. No. Now ESPN is almost like they're resting on their laurels. Like where ESPN, it doesn't matter anymore. Because companies like The Athletic, which are breaking stories left and right and just do a fantastic job. And then depending on, on your sport, whether it's, you know, Jeff Passett in, in baseball or Adrian Wojnarowski in, in basketball or whatever. Well, you got and you got uh, like Outlook, you've got or Outkick, excuse me, uh, Barstool Sports. I love going to Barstool Sports. Generally, they're pretty good. Yeah, Fart.com. Um, no, I'm kidding. Though. Yeah. The but, Onion's always a good one for... <laughs> <laughs> the Onion's good for a laugh. Always. But, yeah. Babylon Bee's better than Onion. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we have to hit our first break. I can't believe we, already, we haven't really talked that much sports. We're already hitting our first break. When we come back, is the college football season already over for one team? Uh-oh. Ah, we've only had week zero. This is SportsX Radio, Fish Tank Edition. Believe in the process. I'm Andrew the Fish Fane. That, of course, is Mark the Magician Hoke. This is, I was going to say SportsX Radio. I guess. It is SportsX Radio. This is KDWN, 101.5 <laughs> FM, 720 AM. Take us to break, Mark. the best of both worlds, you'd have David Lee Roth singing that song. <laughs> no. <laughs> because, and, and people are going to argue with me about this, but I'm telling you, Van Halen was at its best with David Lee Roth as the front man. Going to heavily disagree. Of, of course you are, but the, you were wrong. So I, I Look, I love them both. Van Halen is one of the greatest bands of all time. Fight me. It's okay. Uh, I'm not arguing that point. But God, just, in, just... They're in my top ten. When... 
When Sammy was there, it was a little the, the songs were a little more serious and a little more uplifting. And David Lee was just the party guy. You know, you had songs like Jump and Run with the Devil and all that's Janie's Crying. Panama and Yeah, and, yeah no, I know. Yeah. That was party time. Well, they they matured under Sammy a yeah, little bit. They did. And you know, and I can bet you on who was better. And if you're gonna bet, the best place to do that is at the Westgate. Oh yeah. See, see that's a, called a segue in the industry. Yes, it is. Because <laughs> <laughs> the Westgate Super Contest is back and it's better than ever, baby. The ultimate pro football handicapping challenge is back for its thirty-fifth year with more ways to win and over a million dollars in guaranteed prizes. This year's Super Contest features 11 in-season contests, including two nine-week contests, plus an overall champion. That's 12 ways to win and 100% payback. Back by popular demand is the winner-take-all Super Contest gold and the second-half Super Contest reboot. Sign up now through September 10th, the Super Contest only at the Westgate Las Vegas. Yeah. Great place. Go, go. go, go visit Art Diseaser. Yeah. Sign up. Do good it. Dude. What He's are you waiting for? I, I like Art. Yeah, Art's pretty amazing. Yeah. I got to call Art. Yeah. What do you got to call him? Yeah, we're working on some stuff for the Mark Hoke show, hopefully. <laughs> Did you hear that, Art? <laughs> no pressure. But, you know, so we're, we're talking because now's the big time for betting because football season's starting. Mm-hmm. And we had, and I, I think it's ridiculous to call it this, but week zero of the college football season this past weekend. It's zero hour in college and football. So they haven't even officially reached week one, week one yet, and the season's already over for Nebraska. Uh-oh. Yeah, that was bad loss. There were 13.5 to 14-point favorites, depending where you were, against Northwestern. Alec Martinez, the turnover machine, was gone. They have a new guy, new quarterback. Scott Frost is, is supposed to take this team to the next level, and they lose 31-28 to a bad Northwestern team. There are so many things to say about that. Here's... You know, and the shame of it for Nebraska is that overall their schedule had set up pretty good the first half of the season. Absolutely. They are playing here the rest of their they're playing the fighting hawks of North Dakota, who I hope they beat by two thousand points. Because they deserve it. Uh, they I, suck. Smoking like a true North Dakota State fan. Yes. Home against Georgia Southern. Now they're playing Oklahoma, probably gonna get smoked on that one. But then they had Indiana, Rutgers, Purdue, Illinois, Minnesota. Before they got into the last part of the schedule, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Iowa, there was a chance. They didn't play Ohio State or Michigan State. No, they had a chance to be sitting around seven or eight and one, possibly. And now you have taken the samurai sword with an onside kick and just. That decision made no sense then, now, or any time. Oh, I get what he was trying to do, but... What What was he trying to do? Well, here's what he said. We had just opened up, you know, I think there was like an 11-point lead or something like that. We had the momentum. Catch him off guard. We're rolling. We get that onside kick. We're going to... We'll probably put another score on the board, and this game's over. But you know, it, it's a but, lot like, and again, and, and I and I know you use these wrestling analogies all the time, but it's a lot like when, for instance, when we talked about this on the show on the Mark Hoke show yesterday, Gunther and Sheamus are fighting. The win would mean nothing for Sheamus, and it means everything for Gunther. Mm-hmm. The 
when you have that kind of lead, giving Northwestern the ball at that point of the field changes the entire game. Absolutely. It meant more for you to kick it deep than the chance that you could recover that onside kick. Bury them and then get the ball back. You know, instead of putting them in a position where they're going to be able to, you know, have a short field and start the comeback. And, and breathe and just, life in, and breathe life into the team, which is exactly what they yeah, did. They that was a terrible decision by Frost and it's one that is gonna haunt them maybe the rest of the year, which is really sad for them. I mean, you you, you know, as much as I'm a I'm a Penn State guy, so I enjoy seeing other Big Ten teams lose and have misery. But and especially in Nebraska, I'm still bitter about 95. But anyway, uh, <laughs> but man, you just you can't drop that game, especially when you're playing the West Division that's wide open. And and not and, only that, but this is you're finally because you've been talked about the last couple of years as being the year that you're turning around. This was the year they really thought they were going to. Because like I said, Alec Martinez, who has been who feel like has been in Nebraska since you know. Since Tony Frazier left. I know, he's been there a but, while. But there he was. And, he was and he's gone. And it's like, okay, we can start anew. We have a, a good quarterback, a real quarterback. We can get this thing going. And they were just horrible. And if you look at the rest of the schedule this weekend, it pretty much, except for that game, went went to plan. Western Kentucky able to defeat Austin P. UNLV, congratulations to the Rebs. I know it's uh, Idaho State, and they're a horrible team, but you did what exactly you're supposed to do. You took care of business 52-21. Utah State beats a bad UConn team. Illinois. That just, game was close, closer than it should have been, though. It was. You but, give give credit to Moore Jr. for having UConn ready to play in that one. By the way, uh, Illinois destroying Wyoming. And this is not a great Illinois team, but they did what they had to do and destroyed Wyoming thirty-eight to six. Florida State all over Duquesne. Uh, North Carolina destroying Florida A and M. The the teams that were supposed to won won, except for Nebraska. Yeah, that's a tough. That, eh. I mean, like I, I said you you and and it's a conference loss too. I'm I'm not Ugh. gonna be shocked to see Scott Frost lose that gig. You know, as as somebody who coached for a long time, and you know we, you know, I remember when you and Bernard a while back got in that fight about coaching in your hometown, and how much you know, you know, you'd rather be in them win an NBA title and so on. You know, the thing is, is that when he was at Central Florida, he was doing things that nobody else had done. He had that program in great shape. And I get that. And this was the temptation of going home to, for him. And I, and I understand why he took it. But at the same time, sometimes staying in a school like Central Florida and you're winning and winning and winning... That's not a bad and thing. No, not at all. And and this is absolutely the problem with going home because the pressure is is that much greater. And Bernard and I got into this argument, and it was about Juwan Howard play whether we should coach at Michigan or go to the Lakers. Well, him I agree with going to Michigan, but but Frost going to Nebraska. The problem is Nebraska is has been down for a long time, and they their football team does not fit in the Big Ten. They have not succeeded no, in the you, Big you, Ten. You know what's frightening? I was just thinking about this because you said they've been down for a long time. You know, kids who are 25, 26, even them, they don't remember Nebraska, what kind of powerhouse Nebraska oh. was under Tom Osborne. Tom Osborne you know, lost that national title Miami, but 
won a couple there and shouldn't have won the one in 95. That was a joke. They, I mean, <clears throat> I'm sorry. Were, still mad about they, it. but They were almost Alabama-esque, the, the way Alabama is now. The Oklahoma-Nebraska game was almost as big as Michigan-Ohio State. Oh, when absolutely. that game was played and they were in conference, every year that was the game that was circled. You were ready to see two great teams beat the living crud out of each other no matter what. And every program's allowed to have a few down years. I get that. I'm not suggesting they – but this team hasn't even sniffed anything in years. Well, and and part of the issue that Nebraska has is being in the Big Ten is that you're – you really pulled yourself away from recruiting in places like Texas, Oklahoma, because you're you're not in the same conference anymore. Now you're competing against all these Big Ten teams from now coast to coast. You're going to lose that battle. Yeah, and, you're going to lose that battle. And you used- had a chance when you they just stayed in the Big 12 where they should have. Now they're recruiting that part of the country and they don't then they wouldn't have lost the the luster of that program. Now, I mean, how are you going to get a kid to I've been to Lincoln. Nice place. But but and, but, and, and but that, all joking aside, and whether I'm a Bruins fan or not, and and we all know that the, the UCLA football program is not good. It's not horrible, but it's not good. But you give a kid a chance to play in Westwood or play in Lincoln, he's going to choose Westwood mm-hmm. for the most part. I mean, unless he wants to stay close to home. And that was and that was the mistake that Nebraska did going to the Big Ten. And I was really surprised when they did it. The, the volleyball team benefited, and that was about it. <laughs> but but now but now like I said you've pulled yourself away from your nearby recruiting base in all those states right around there in Kansas Texas you know Oklahoma so on and you know they're they're not seeing you play you don't have a presence anymore because you're you know you're off playing Rutgers and Illinois and Iowa and man it's it it, it was just a bad decision and it's going to be really hard for them I mean, honestly, I mean, I guess now you got to stay in the Big Ten. You can't go there. But I don't know. Maybe you, maybe you look at going to the SEC and you know trying to bail that back out. I don't know. That's that's tough. But Nebraska can't go to the SEC. Why not? Nebraska would get destroyed in the SEC. <laughs> They're getting destroyed in the Big Ten, and it would be even worse. Nebraska needs to go to the big. They need to go to the Pac-12. They need to be playing along teams like oh, alongside teams see, like Colorado. You know, that's the thing, and and. Don't get me started on that because the NCAA has completely lost control of that. They should just be taking the the elite teams, putting them in regions and saying, this part of the country, this part of the country, this part of the country, this part of the country. We've got four conferences. And yeah, no, absolutely. You should leave be, it at that. It should be, you know, if you're, I would say, West Colorado and West. You're west of the Rockies. You're you're in one part, and then you go to the middle, then you go to the south, and you go to the north, and you go to the east. Yeah, I mean, you could do three or four conferences, and absolutely, and be fair about it. And, and because, but this is just, it's great for football, but good lord, I mean, you you can't take teams, you know, massive like a softball team. You're going to travel them from, you know, you're in UCLA and now you've got to go across the country and play in Rutgers and Penn State and Yeah, uh, we, we uh, had this discussion. Maryland, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's a disaster. Ridic- no, it's completely ridiculous. And and that's why, you know, that's almost why I, I, like, I love it when, when they add a, add a team in, in basketball or, or football or baseball because then they do do some realigning. You got to remember, for the longest time, the Atlanta Falcons were in the NFC West. Yeah. 
I remember that. The Atlanta Braves were in the L. Well, well Dallas is still in the NFC East. It it absolutely stupid. I mean, the Cardinals were. You know, <laughs> I can't remember if they got moved yeah, right the Cardinals, away or not. The Cardinals were in the East. For they a were long in the time. East for a long time, and but I, I can't remember how and, long and if they sorry, finally got them out. Of and, there, I, but, and I'm sorry if it'll break up a rivalry here or there to, to move a team. If you're gonna do teams geographically by saying North, West, South, and East, then have the teams being in those locales. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's just bad for the kids, I think. But you know, you know what? You're getting paid now. You're getting you're getting the NIL money. So, buckle too up, bad. Toughen up, Buttercup. Because yep. uh, we got Thursday. We have uh, more college football action coming. Uh, I'm not going to go over a game. Just a few uh, of the bigger games. Central Michigan is at Oklahoma State. Cowboys are 21 point favorites in that game. Yeah, I see why. I think they're going to smack Central Michigan. I don't know. The, the, those Mac schools like Central Michigan, they're, they're better than people think. They're pesky. Yeah, they are. that's a great word for them. They're that's pesky. exactly what they are. They're pesky. Yeah, but uh, Oklahoma State's loaded. Nah. West Virginia and Pitt, two teams that do not like each other. That is a, that's always a fun game in that area, too. Pitt's a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. Now, you got to remember, they lost their they lost their Bolitnikoff-winning wide receiver. He transferred to USC. They lost their quarterback from last year. He Graduated and he's now going to probably start in Pittsburgh or at least be the, the backup in Pittsburgh. But they're still pretty good. Yeah, they're, and they're, West Virginia is not. They're seven and a half point favorites over the Mountaineers. It's a tough line. You know, you'd probably rather have it at six and a half. But man, that's why Vegas does it. But I, what I, I, st- I, I still I like Pitt on them I, I, because I, because it's seven and a half. I think money's going to come in on West Virginia. I would wait till the money comes in and West Virginia pulls it down to seven, and then I would buy a half a point and knock it down to six and a half. That's a great idea because that's probably where it's going to end up, I think. It's seven. It's I, a big I, rivalry game, too, yeah, so absolutely. don't forget that. Uh, Ball State and Tennessee, I don't even think this is going to be close. Uh, that you know, that's a, Ball State's a MAC team. It's just not very good. Anyway, Tennessee's a 36-point favorite. Uh, South Carolina State and UCF. Uh, I, I don't see a spread for this game, but I'd imagine UCF has got to be a, a huge favorite. Would, yeah, South Carolina State's an FCS team, not not good. So yeah, VMI and Wake Forest. That's another. That's why. That's why there's no spreads because right now they're the FCS team as well. I would imagine Wake Forest is number twenty two in the country. But watch out for VMI. By the way, they are not a bad FCS team. No, but Wake they've been for- improving over the last couple of years. I, so I don't think Forest- they can beat Wake, but no, I think but, Wake but to- watch that point spread because you may be able to get some value on that. I think Wake has something to prove though. Yeah, because last year they were ranked and people were like, "Oh, come on, it's Wake Forest." And I think this year they want to say, "No, we are for real." Yeah, I, I'm- and they better take us seriously in the ACC. Yeah, and but I but I but I will warn I will warn everybody, watch that game because VMI is a decent FCS team. They will not roll over and die. And how about this five o'clock Pacific on Fox on Thursday night, probably the game of the week, Penn State at Purdue. Oh baby, Penn State's a three and a half point favorite at the Boilermakers. And I think that's about right. I think that's about right. Penn State lost a, a lot of really good players, but they have a ton of talent coming back. Had some great recruiting classes last couple of years. I think they're going to. I it's it's a little bit tough to open it up on the road, but I think because you've got a guy like Sean Clifford, quarterback in Penn State, coming back, I think they're going to be okay. I think they win that game. I think they do too, but because of Bernard, I'm betting Purdue plus a three and a half. Well, okay. I under I sympathize. It's a sympathy bet. I get it, but 
Bernard would probably be telling you. Well, I don't know if Bernard would have told us. No, about he, 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 they'd be telling yeah. him I'm an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> it's all good. Um, New Mexico State, Minnesota. Minnesota is a 36-and-a-half-point favorite. That's how bad New Mexico State is. When Minnesota is a, is a five-touchdown favorite. I still wouldn't touch that game. Oh, I'm, I'm not saying you should, no. but that's just how bad New Mexico State is. Yeah. Uh, the uh, and that that's it for the decent games. You know, Northern Arizona, Arizona, Arizona State. None of that do anything for me. Uh, actually, some games on Friday: Western Michigan, Michigan State. I'm just trying to see if there's any games that are, are worth a damn. Illinois and Indiana. That should be an interesting game. Illinois has got something to prove now. Obviously, they took Craig Bowl and the Cowboys out this week. You know, I I'm feeling. I think Illinois Indiana is th- a three point favorite. Mm, I don't know. That's gonna be. No, I, uh, and then TCU yeah. Colorado is another interesting one. TCU's a 13 and a half point favorite. I think it's too many points. I do too, especially because they're playing in Colorado, and yeah, I, I think that the the mile high atmosphere absolutely plays a role, for, new, especially for the kids. New coach too, so for TCU, that, yeah, I I think that's too many. Uh, Colorado State Michigan, we discussed this game a few weeks ago. Uh, Michigan's a 30-and-a-half-point favorite. I think they're destroying Colorado State. Uh, San Diego State and Iowa. Oh, sorry, that's not San Diego State. That's, oops, South Dakota State. Oh, (laughs) hey, hey, and and I'm going to tell you what. North Dakota State went in there a few years ago and beat Iowa, and this is one of the better South Dakota State teams you're going to have seen. They're ranked second in the country behind NDSU, the FCS. They are a talented club, a lot of... A lot of six All Americans for FCS. Be careful betting this game. Yeah, and there's another one that I'm looking at: North Carolina at Appalachian State. Ooh, App State is only a one point dog. Wow, really? App State's I, a good football team. I would still take North Carolina, but that win over Michigan, and that was a long time ago now. But it, it has boosted the profile of that program, and they have been able to recruit. Pretty dang well. No, and they for, they for who they are. They're one of the they're one of the top two in some. They're probably the favorite in some belt this year. So I, man, be careful on that one too. That's yeah. uh, I'm just looking. I mean, see, I, I see these games like a Richmond and Virginia. And I go, oh wait a minute, that's a good basketball game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bowling Green, UCLA. Sorry, Brad Powers. UCLA is a 24 and a half point favorite. They're going to destroy him. Uh, here you go. This Saturday, it's the game of it's the game of the week. Uh, Oregon, Georgia. Georgia's a 17-point favorite. Boy, that's a lot. But remember, new coach at Oregon. Yeah. Mario Cristobal is now in Miami. I'd still be I still would be tempted to take Georgia on that, but that is a lot of points. Remember, last year it was Oregon, Ohio State. And everyone was, oh, be on all over Ohio State, Ohio State, Ohio State. Oregon went into the horseshoe and beat them. Yeah, but this team is not that team. And they did it without Thibodeau, who was injured for that game. Yeah, the, they're there's not as much talent there in Oregon. You have a coaching change there, and you're going into Georgia. I mean, the, on the other side, Georgia, obviously, so many players went to the NFL, so they're restocking. But, you know, those guys still have to get a little experience under their belt. Cincinnati and Arkansas? Arkansas is a six-point favorite. People are underrating Cincinnati. I think they are. I think they think that because of all the guys they lost last year, there's no way this team can be nearly as good. But they recruited well. They had a lot of guys backing them up. They're going to be all right. Um, I think I still do like Arkansas in that game, though. I, it'll be, it'll I, be I, close. I think so. 
Uh, I don't have a spread yet for North Dakota, Nebraska, but that would be interesting. Nine million. <laughs> Whatever it is, bet Nebraska. Oh, no, I, you can't. You cannot touch Nebraska. You, you could stay away from the game, but you cannot bet Nebraska. Actually, right North Dakota is not bad. They're they're not great, but they're they okay. kill you to say that. They're okay. They're an okay FCS team. BYU South Florida. South Florida is one of those teams that I have to see them play before I can make a decision. I want to bet them. BYU is a 12-point favorite. It seems a little high because South Florida, like I said, they're a pretty decent team. Mm, I'd, I'd still take BYU. Uh, Utah and Florida. Utah's a three-point favorite in the Swamp. And you know what? I think Utah's going to smack them. I, I really so do. I there are a Utah, lot of people I would think that team's going to be tight. I think Utah is probably get somebody double digits. Yeah, I think Utah's got something to prove. Uh, Alabama, Utah State. Alabama's a 41.5-point favorite. That's too many points, I think. Notre Dame, Ohio State. Ohio State, 17.5-point favorites. How can you be 17.5-point favorites over the number 5-ranked team in the country if you're only number 2? Because you're Ohio State. That's why that team's amazing. That I just think amazing. I just think that, that that's giving absolutely no love to Notre Dame at all. All right, we're going to hit our, for our, our next break. When we come back, it's time to talk baseball, baby. Crushing, crushing uh, score tonight for the Orioles, and it had nothing to do with them. And it's crushing now because even though they're only two games out, it's, it's every game matters. This is the Fish Tank. Believe in the process on SportsX Radio. We'll be right back. Welcome back from halftime. It's just after 9 o'clock in the big city. Time to continue America's favorite Las Vegas sports show. Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson. <laughs> yeah. What up? Party's going on. Duh. Going to a party. Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson is brought to you by Hannah Shea Boyle and Rappaputi. Trial lawyers that get results. Visit PSBRLaw.com. Steiner's Pub, a true Nevada-style pub with three locations. One on Cheyenne, one on Buffalo, and one on the south end of the Strip. Steiner's Pub. We love this place. Preventative Diagnostic Center. Book your non-invasive scan today. For peace of mind, visit pdcenterlv.com. Rob Ritchie, Farmers Insurance, 702-335-5744. 702-335-5744. Laborers Union 872, the builders of Allegiant Stadium and the Las Vegas Ballpark, home of the Aviators. Promodirect.com. Use K-10 for a 10% discount on your promotion items order. Promodirect.com. And by William Hill Racing Sportsbook, America's leading racing sportsbook. Visit WilliamHill.us. So get ready because Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson starts now. Welcome back, everybody, to Sports X Radio. The Fish Tank. Believe in the process. I'm your host, Andrew the Fish Fane. With me as always, of course. Mark the Magician Hoke, host of the Mark Hoke Show every Sunday morning from 8 a.m. Are we saying from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m.? Still say 9 with an occasional bonus hour. There right you now. go. From 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. with the occasional occasional bonus hour. you got to make sure you tune in this coming Sunday because it's a huge wrestling oh, weekend. man. Normally I'm not talking wrestling on this show, but it's such a huge wrestling weekend. You have the Clash at the Castle from WWE on Saturday morning because it's live from Wales. Then you have when Worlds Collide, NXT UK versus NXT. And then you have AEW's All Out on Sunday oh, night. It's going to be a fun, fun weekend. It really is. So uh, buckle 
Buckle up, folks. It's Labor Day weekend. You got the extra day on Monday, so enjoy it. Uh, and, I, and, and I will say this real quick. If you haven't watched professional wrestling for a while and you keep hearing us talk about it and Ken and I talk about it sometimes here, this is a great weekend to tune in because I think some big stuff's going to happen at Clash of the Castle and All Out is kind of the WrestleMania for AEW. And there's all sorts of chaos going on in AEW right now. So it's going to be two terrific cards. I, I, I think you're going to see a lot of matches steal the show. Yeah. It's going to be some great wrestling. And, so if you haven't seen it for a while, and, good time to watch. And, and next week we will open the show. I will probably give out the score, the Richard Badge and Flea Toyota out-of-town scoreboard to kick off the show next week. And then it's NFL football for two hours. Nice. It's our big it's our big preview. So, uh, you know, we have a week. I, I don't know why they do this, why the, the preseason ended this week and then they take a week off and then they play. Eh, give Ray a chance to relax, heal up, make their cuts. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of this. I think they should have either start, started the preseason one week later or started the NFL season one week earlier. I hate preseason games, period. I do too. But and, it, uh, and, and, I know and, it's a moneymaker, but at the same time, you... You can get it done just scrimmaging in practices. Yeah, I mean, the New York no. football giants have lost 35 players <gasps> to injury. <laughs> now, not all of them are starters or, or no. great players, but still, 35 players. How'd you like to be the trainer? Uh, talk about getting, oh. you're talking about earning your money. Oh, yuck. But so next yuck. week, Chris Wynn, Mark Hoke, and myself breaking down the NFL season for you. You know why I'm excited about that, too, having Chris Wynn in here? Why? Because all you have to do is ask Chris a question first, and then ask me, and whatever Chris says, I'm going to go the opposite way, that sounds and, I'll, right. and I'll be right. That sounds about right, yeah. most, most of the time. How <laughs> ironic that his last name is Wynn. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Chris. But uh, here's a quick baseball trivia question for you. Oh. What do the Pittsburgh Pirates, Cincinnati Reds, Washington Nationals, Oakland A's, and Detroit Tigers have in common. Hmm. They sound like losers to me. All of them have fewer wins than than games above 500 that the Dodgers are. Yikes. Dodgers are 51 games above 500 at 89 and 38. And all of those teams have fewer than 51 wins. That's insane. That's insane. Your Dodgers are playing some good ball, my friend. And tomorrow... Ooh, I know what tomorrow. I know what tomorrow is. The series possibly of the year starts as the Dodgers are in New York to face the Mets. That is going to be some fun stuff right there. Yes, it is. Ooh, and we we will a little later we'll break down the overnights because I want I want to see where you sit for for that series and who you would bet on tomorrow in that game. Mm-hmm. But uh, going to the break, I I said the Orioles didn't play and had bad news tonight, and that bad news was the Chicago Cubs. Yeah, because and it, it seems really unfair. The Orioles schedule, first of all, they a three game set in Houston. If you didn't believe in the Orioles, I'm not just saying it's because you're an Orioles fan. If you didn't believe in the Orioles going before this weekend, you have to be a believer now. They went into Houston, and won two out of three from the Astros, and, and should have gotten the third game. They had one inning that they gave up three runs. That was it. They absolutely went in there and overall shut the Astros. Down. And they outplayed the Astros for, they, for, for most of that series. I I questioned who they pulled out of the bullpen. They went to kind of the backside of the bullpen in that uh, seventh inning, I believe it was, when the Astros got the three runs in the third game. 
and I I would not have done that. I would have gone with my main guys and kept them, you know, kept them down. Especially with a day off today. Yeah, yeah, you had a rest day. I mean, there was no need to go to to Baker and those guys. I mean, and and they're having good seasons. Don't get me wrong, but I. I would have pulled out all the stops to win that game. Because the calendar may say August still. But for all intents and purposes, this is September baseball now. And this is absolutely insane what's going on in the American League. The National League, to me, is down to two teams for the last spot. To me. And and we'll we'll get to that too because you said something very interesting earlier about about that, which we'll get to, about who may decide the NL, ironically. But in the American League, it is... And like I said, it's almost unfair because... While the Orioles are playing the Astros and now have to go into Cleveland and play a Red Hot Guardians team, the Blue Jays are hosting the Chicago Cubs. It happens. We, we played. We got to play the Cubs too. No, I know, and you got, you know, and you got, so. and you just got to beat who's in front of you, and you can't complain about the schedule because if you would have won, you know, games earlier in the year that you've lost, you could say, "See, we wouldn't be in the position that we're in." So yeah. I, I get that. But the Cubs were up four to nothing tonight. Is that correct? That is correct. Nice job, guys. And ended up blowing it, losing five to four in a. That's a big banner with an L on it. And that moved the the Blue Jays from one and a half games out or one and a half games up on the Orioles to two games. Yeah, and you know it it hurts, but I think the Orioles have got to be just feeling so good that they got out of they got out of Houston, and that series was on the road, and got two out of three because they have seven games. They had seven games with Houston left. They hadn't played them yet this year, and they were playing the AL West. And you, as if you're the Orioles, you're thinking, "Oh man, you know, if we could, we at least get three. That's not bad." Now you've got to sh- you get two out of three in Houston. You've got four in Camden Yards late in the season. You know, you got to be thinking, "Man, we get three out of four of that." I mean, that's surviving the best team in the best team in the American League. Uh, you know, absolutely, and it's. Absolutely amazing to me that it's coming down to this. And, you know, I look I look at the standings, and what's really kind of sad is there's really only two divisions that aren't decided yet. The yeah. AL East is pretty much decided. Even the, the Yankees are struggling. I mean, obviously it's not completely over, but they're seven and a half games up. The AL West, the Astros are 11 and a half games up. The NL Central, the Cardinals, I can't believe I'm saying this, are six games up yeah, now. Yeah, that's the over. I'm, I'm sorry, that's over. And the Dodgers, obviously, 20 games up in the NL West. <laughs> that's insane. I mean, they're going to clinch the division the first week in September. Yeah, and hopefully Dave Roberts doesn't let up on the gas pedal. I, I completely agree. But so the, the two divisions that still have some fight left in them, the AL Central, where the Guardians are only a game and a half up on the Twins. And if the if you're not winning that division, you're not making the playoffs because well that's not necessarily true, fish. Because right now Minnesota, Minnesota is only a game behind. I think a game behind Baltimore right now. They're sixty six sixty one. The Orioles are sixty seven and six sixty seven seventy. So they're they're not dead yet. They're not dead. And Cleveland is a pretty good team. I mean the you know the Orioles get Cleveland, and that. That's a big series for them because they lost two out of three when they played Cleveland earlier this year. So they've got to win that tiebreaker, and they can't tie because of the divisional record, right? Which is tiebreak, which is bogus. And and they lost the series to the Minnesota Twins on two blown saves. And so. the and the other division that is still up in the air, and I can't believe this is it because you know months ago it was the Central that was up in the air in the NL, and the East was decided. Mets are only three games up on the Braves. Yeah. 
And I, they still have, I don't know how many games, I would say probably at least seven, if not more, against each other. Oh, that's the one schedule I didn't pull. But I'll, <laughs> but I'll get it real quick for you. And, and the Mets do have a series coming up, like I said, with the Dodgers, and I believe the Braves are done with the Dodgers. And, I, th- I think so, yeah. And that matters at this point, because like it or not, and I know I talk about it all the time, the Dodgers are the best team in baseball, period. Yeah, the Mets and Atlanta looks like they only play one more time. Three game series, late September, early October. Really? So is this probably the second to last series of the year? Yeah, uh, second to last series of the year in Atlanta. That should make things very interesting. Yeah, just a little bit. But and, yeah, the, the you know, and the thing is that the rest of the National League, like they're the Mets schedule, they got the Dodgers. They're playing Washington, Pittsburgh, Miami, Chicago, Pittsburgh. Oh, Brewers, Oakland, Miami, Atlanta, Washington. Oh, the Braves are done. We well, because <laughs> other than other than the Dodgers and the Braves, the Mets don't have any tough series in there. No, that's that's pretty much a piece of cake. But let's uh, let's take a look at Atlanta. So I'll grab that real quick. I forgot about uh, pulling those guys. Atlanta has Colorado, Miami, Oakland. They got three and get three at Seattle. They got to that's do. Tough. They got to do a West Coast. Swing and, that, there. and for for them, that's the furthest point, obviously, on the map is going to Seattle from yeah. Atlanta, San Francisco. Uh, then they've got Philly, Washington, Philly, Washington, Mets, Miami. That's two series with Philly, a series with Seattle, and another series. Yeah, the, the bra- S- slight edge to the Mets. Though. Yeah, I would think so. And since they have a three game lead, I I think the the Mets end up winning and barring. A catastrophic injury of some sort. I think the, the the Mets win this division. They should, but boy, Atlanta's playing great baseball. They really are. That is going to be a fight to the end. Yeah, and it's it's the same. Remember last year, the the Braves were very mediocre for most of the year. Yeah, they were terrible. Then they turned it on late and were just fantastic. Obviously, in the postseason. Right. Now you look at the wild card, and that's totally different. Now, in the American League, your wild cards are Tampa Bay, Seattle, and Toronto. One game separates Tampa from Toronto. This is going to be a very tight race, but the first, Ed, to me, Seattle is in. I'm just going to tell everybody right now, put your money down. Their schedule for the rest of the year for the the mighty Seattle Mariners. Uh, Let me sure. While while you're getting that, just bear this in mind. So there's five teams, Tampa Bay, Seattle, Toronto, Baltimore, Minnesota. Five teams for four spots. They're only... A total of four games different between fifth, first and fifth. Minnesota yeah, is three spots, but yeah, that's what I said. wild cards. They said four, but it's okay. Oh, just Min- helping. Sorry, Minnesota. <laughs> Minnesota is four games in back of Tampa, and Tampa's one. Minnesota's five. Yeah, and that's how close it is. Yeah, and the Mariners get ready for this at Detroit at Cleveland. Home against, not a, no pushover. That's a tough one. Home against Chicago. Which one? Which Chicago? The White, the White Sox? Sox. That's also a tough one because the White Sox. Now, I mean, you talk about a team that is in must-win mode. They're six and a half games out of the wild card. They're just about on death's door. Yeah, um, they host Atlanta, so that'll be a good series. Yeah, especially because Atlanta has to win those games. Two against San Diego, and then it's get ready for this: the Angels, the A's, the Royals, the Rangers. The A's, the Tigers. Yeah, the as Mar- long as they survive the next week and a half, the Mariners are in pretty decent they shape. They should be in coast mode. I mean, and and they nearly swept Cleveland this week. Cleveland had to pick up a uh, 
four run inning or three run inning in the top of the eighth to so, well, save a game yes. in that set. So I guess the question is the schedules between Tampa, Toronto, and Baltimore. And stunningly to me, I, I think the Orioles actually have the edge on these schedules. Tampa and Toronto, they're they're playing each other a lot. <laughs> they have a bunch of games left against each other. So Tampa Bay uh finishing has a little finishing up here with uh, well they got two against Miami, Yankees and Boston at home, and then they play the Yankees again on the road. Okay. Then they have a then there's a five game series in Toronto. So Tampa and Toronto five games set. They're gonna get real familiar with each other. Yeah, just a little bit. Texas, Houston, four game series at home against Toronto, at they, Cleveland, at Houston, at Boston to finish the season. That's rough. As an Orioles fan, you want either Tampa or Toronto to own the other team. You do not want them to to go like five and four in nine games or whatever. And that's why that last game against Tampa when it was eight games to eight hurt because they don't have a playoff this year if you're tied. It it's a tiebreaker and the Orioles lost the tiebreaker to Tampa too. Because they they had it they were up eight seven and lost the last two games of that series. So that hurt. Uh, Toronto is taking on. Now this is fun because the Orioles get a lot of shots at them too. So Toronto really is going to have their yeah. Toronto's got the Cubs right now. Cubs at Pittsburgh, four at Baltimore, three at Texas. The five game series at home against Tampa, three at home against Baltimore, two at Philly, four at Tampa, three against the Yankees, three against Boston, three in Baltimore to close the season. That's going to be a lot of fun. Baltimore, I, I don't remember the last time. Was it 2016 last time? I believe that, it was 16. There, yeah. there were meaningful games in late September in Baltimore? Yeah. Yep. So and that, is, and that's, that's Baltimore is one of those cities that when there's meaningful, meaningful baseball, they show up. Oh, they do. It's, it, Camden Yards is such a great place to watch a game, especially when it's packed. Yeah, when, when it's, it's empty, it's, it's really depressing. Oh, but yeah. when, when it's full, it's a lot. You're right. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, and, and the Orioles then have a pretty good stretch coming up here once they get out of this series. And this was really, a you know, the Chicago playing the White Sox and then Houston, Houston. and Cleveland now. It was kind of a scary part of the schedule for and them. And they handled Houston quite well. Oh, the, the Rooks pitched great. Uh, at Cleveland, host Oakland, four at home against Toronto, three at home against Boston. So they got a nice homestand coming up. They go to Washington for two, Toronto for three, then home against Detroit, four games at home against Houston, four games at Boston, three at the Yankees, and then finish with that three-game set in Toronto, at home against Toronto. So you don't even play Tampa again? No, we finished that a couple weeks ago. So you have 10 games left against Toronto, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, let me let me count that, but uh, there's three, I, I, I think it was six. Three, I think it was three, yes, four, and ten. four. Yeah, or three, three, ten. and four, yeah. That's oh, going to be a hoot. It's going to be it's going to be good baseball. Yeah. I and I mean you just look at and there's so many possibilities here. Well, but, I mean but Toronto but you know if you look at Toronto, they have it in their hands. If they beat up Tampa in those games and they can beat the Orioles up. I mean basically all three all three of those teams have it in their hands. If uh, as stupid as it sounds, if Baltimore just if Baltimore, what do they have? Uh, uh, see, they're so they've played one twenty-seven, so they have thirty-five games left. Yeah. If you go twenty-five and ten, 
you're in the playoffs. Yeah, the, I was kind of looking and I thought, thought the win number would probably be 88 you need, so to you need, get in. Yeah, you should need 21 more wins. I think 88 is the number. It might be. It might have gone. Might go up a little bit because I I noticed you know some of the teams really got have been playing well, but nobody was playing even five forty ball, which is about five forty four. I think is where it comes out for a yeah, eighty eight win uh, season. Of, so. of those teams, of, of those five playoff teams in the last ten, Seattle, Toronto, and Baltimore are all six and four in their last ten. Yeah, Minnesota's four and six, which really hurts, and Tampa's seven and three. We'll right. see how that holds up. Right. It's but it's oh boy, this is gonna be who fun. Are, who are the three playoff teams in 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 the wild card oh in, the, in the in the American boy. League? I think Tampa's pretty much in. I think Seattle's in. I I cannot with the schedule Seattle's got. I can't see them blowing it. The pitching the pitching staff is too good. I like Seattle probably to end up being the number one wild card. <sighs> yeah, they are only. Uh, what is that? A game up on? Uh, they are a half a game behind Tampa. Yeah, I, for for the number one wild card. And spot. those three teams have been flipping. Baltimore got in there for a couple of days. And, but, and why that matters is because I do believe that in the new playoff format, that first round is just a three game set at the higher seed. That is correct. So it would be so whoever wins that because right now Tampa would play Seattle. So you're either playing three in Seattle or three in Tampa. Yeah. And I, I'm sure that Tampa would much rather be at home. I was going to say, I think it means more to Seattle to be home than it does for Tampa to be home. Yeah, and you know, and that if that matchup happens, somebody's going cross country for that series. Oh, absolutely, is, and that, that matchup is going to happen. And that's, and I don't know if people have paid attention to the playoff schedule. This is very interesting. There are not a lot of days off. There's no. only, there's one day off between the the wild card series and the division series. No, this year. because of the, the lockout, they had to trim the off days well, down not, quite a bit. Not so. only that, but they did it as well because that again benefits. So basically, you're starting in the first game. If you if your wild card series goes three games, game one of the division series, you're starting your number four starter against whoever's there, number one starter. Yeah. Well, if you you know if you if you sweep the first two. Then you're okay. Then you're okay. But if it goes to a third game, see, and this is and this is why I felt that it's so important for a lot of these teams to have a fourth, a really good fourth starter as well, because of the way the schedules work out all the way through there's, to the World Series. It, it, there's not a lot of breaks in there, and your your fourth starter is gonna there, get a remember, start. Remember, there, there used to be, and for the for the LCS especially, it used to be you play game one and two, travel day, three, four, and five, travel day, six and seven. Now it's one and two travel day. There are no more days off after that yeah. in, the, in the LCS. So yeah, it's rough. Yeah, it's rough. you have to have at least four, if not a fifth starter. And that's why I think a team like Seattle is so dangerous because they their rotation is one to five is really, really good. And I will say that's the one thing that now benefits the Dodgers, although the news today of Tony Gonsolin getting put on the injured list with a strained forearm. Is Ooh. frightening. Oh, that's not good. They're saying the Dodgers are saying he's only going to miss two starts, but I say strained forearm is a precursor to having to have Tommy John surgery. Right. Oh, that's that is tough. Now Clayton Kershaw is supposed to be back this week, which helps. They've already lost Walker Bueller for the season. Dustin May has come back and been fantastic in his two starts. So, do you even throw bother throwing Kershaw at all? I mean, other than giving him maybe a start before the absolutely. You just keep you. I think you have to keep everybody. 
You cannot start resting people and making things different. But is it different resting somebody like Clayton Kershaw and saying, look, we don't need you right now. We he's, don't need he, you. We're good. He's been on the injured list enough this year that he hasn't thrown the innings that would be ter- we're adding up on that arm. I think he it's more important for him to get into a rhythm and find a rhythm than it is for him to have the time off. Yeah, but he's Clayton Kershaw, though. Do you really need to worry about a guy like that that much? Yeah, when you don't have Walker Bueller, when who knows what's going to happen with Tony Gonsolin, you have to have— Well, that's why I'm saying preserve him. No, preserve I, I, him. I, I understand. I think that—because I'm sorry. I know the bullpen's been fantastic. I still don't trust that Dodger bullpen. And that's from years of Mr. especially with Craig Kimbrell at the back did, end. Did you see— Kenley Jansen blow that save against the yes, Cardinals I, the other yes, night. Yes, I did. By the way, that was Made horrendous. me smile. That was death by a million cuts there, too. <laughs> Made me smile. Oh. Because as a Dodger fan, very used to seeing Kenley doing that. Yeah, well, get over it. Come on. Yeah, I know. But so we didn't answer my question. Who are the, <laughs> who are the, who are the three? Who's, who's sitting out? Give me the first team that's sitting out. The, the one team you say there's no way they're making it. I think Minnesota will be out. So you don't think they're winning the division? No. I I still like Cleveland. Okay. So there's basically <laughs> two spots for three American League East teams because you're already counting t- as Seattle is in. Who's the AL East team that's missing the playoffs? If I was a betting man and not with my heart, I I think Toronto and Tampa are in. But I will say this in all honesty. The Orioles' starting pitching has been fantastic. That the bats have been a little bit up and down, you know, and that's that's what's hurt I, them. Uh, Tampa's Tampa's rotation is really good. Now they've been when they played Toronto, they've been beating Toronto really well. They played kind of dead even with Tampa. The I mean, obviously for the Orioles, the key is you've got to keep beating Toronto up. But. <sighs> Boy, I'll tell you, I, would, I, 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 I have to lean towards Tampa and Toronto, but I would tend to agree with you, and I say that only because those are the two teams that have prepared themselves to be at this point. The Orioles have not yet prepared themselves to be at this point because they're there a year early. Yeah. So Toronto went out and got Kevin Gossman. They got last year. They got Jose Barrios. They got these guys. So you could so in this situation, you know what to do. For for them, this is we need to win. For the Orioles, this is we need the experience. The interesting part for Baltimore, and I'm I'm gonna warn everybody about this right now. If you see a guy by the name of Grayson Rodriguez getting pulled up, stud. He he is the number one pitching prospect in baseball. He had a lat strain back in late June. Otherwise, he would have been in this rotation absolutely uh, two months ago. He is making a rehab start on Thursday in Aberdeen for the, the single-A team. We'll see if they keep him in Norfolk, which is the triple-A, or they just, if he's ready. I think if he's ready, get him in there and let's roll. And they've also got Gunnar Henderson, who's the number three. one or two one or two prospect. Oh, yeah, sorry, hitting sorry. Prospect, depending on Grayson Rodriguez is three, he's, and... and I think he was two because I think I believe the the uh, Mets guy is number one. Yeah, depending on which which Although service that you Mets go catcher, with. I think just got hurt. But Henderson has been hitting three hundred at every level. He's ready to go. They just actually pulled up a couple guys from Bowie, which is the Double A team, and an infielder. 
which tells me that when the roster is expanded, that Henderson's probably going to be Remember, there. Remember, they're not. They're not. So, it's not like the old days. But they're not. They don't expand. Uh, you don't get fifteen more men. It doesn't go from twenty-five to forty. Yeah, I wish they did. But I they, think it's you just only three, get two you, or three guys. You get two guys. It's you have a twenty-six man roster now. It goes to twenty-eight. You get one pitcher, one hitter. That's and it. That's it. So the Orioles, from what I think they're going to be doing, is Dale Hall, who's their other top pitching prospect that came up for one game. They've been adjusting him to the bullpen. They'll probably send somebody down, bring DL up, and if Rodriguez is ready, we'll see if he gets there. And if he does, that is a game changer for Baltimore. But do you think that now it was a mistake to make the moves you made at the trade deadline? Because those moves, I think, are hurting you more now than than they will help you in the future in the sense that if you had Trey Mancini and you had your closer, as good as the guy you have in that spot is now, but you still had... Uh, what's his name? What is, what's his name? Jorge Lopez. Thank that you. They trade. Yeah. And you still had him. I think you guys would be in better shape to make this run. The Batista has been very good as well, and, and uh, I think uh, that's why they were no, willing to make uh, that move. The problem isn't how good he's been. The problem is he's now good in the closer's role. You don't have anybody to fill his role. Well, we do, but the one Not issue as that good as he was. The, the the issue that the Orioles had was a lot of guys. The starters were only going five, five and two thirds, you know, and and the bullpen was starting to wear down a little bit, and you could see it a little. But then the series in Houston, everybody went deep, and if they can, if they can keep having performances like that, plus then you get a Grayson Rodriguez in there, the bullpen's going to be fine. So I, I, plus you get DL Hall in there too. That's I help. honestly believe that, and this is this was an argument that Bernard and I had all the time that the Orioles right now are just happy to be there, and if they don't win, this season was still a rousing success. I think for the Rays and for the Blue Jays, they have to be in the postseason. It is more important to them, and I just think that's going to be the difference at the end of the year. And I think this, I think no matter what happens with any of those teams, this season was more successful for Baltimore than it was for Tampa or Toronto, no matter what. Oh, absolutely. If, but, Tor- if Toronto misses, that is a huge disappointment. Right, but, but if, if, if both of them are the wild cards, if Tampa and Toronto are the two wild cards, I still think it was a more successful season for Baltimore than it was for either of them. But I think that the Baltimore is, and I know he argued with me, I think they will be satisfied with the season they've had no matter what happens from here on out. I think after the year is over. But the attitude, but honestly, the attitude, because you know, I, obviously I read a lot of the Baltimore press, the attitude is they we're we're going to do this. We're going to do this right now. And you can see it in that Houston series. They are... Abs- absolutely. They and I, are... And, I, and I'm not trying to... Usually, I, you know, I like to poke fun and take a knock. I'm not trying to take a knock at the Orioles. No, I, I understand I, that. I just think that the time is now. This is what the Rays and Blue Jays are built for. The Orioles are not built for this yet. They will be. And that and this experience this year is going to make them that much better and that much more dangerous in the years to come. Oh, absolutely. And... You know, I picked Toronto to go to the World Series. So did I, I thought they were the best we had, team in the we, American I think we League. both had Toronto and the Dodgers in the World Series. If they come up short, but you know, but that's going to be interesting to see because you know Toronto has and has all those games against Tampa and Baltimore. Wow, they the they Blue better... Jays, the Blue Jays offense to me has been as disappointing as their starting pitch. Yeah, it's been so inconsistent, and that's why I thought that Toronto had just enough pitching, but that lineup was just so looked so devastating. They just go and lay eggs sometimes. I mean, that series against the Angels and, this weekend was... And Jose Barrios has gotten better. 
but he is absolutely brutal right now. He's not what they he is not what they are paying the money for. If Ross Stripling hadn't been pitching the way he's been pitching, they'd have been dead. Yeah. He's he saved them. And Mitch White, I mean, both former Dodger pitchers, Mitch White and, and Ross Stripling, are the two guys that have saved him because Gossman hasn't looked great either. Yeah, they <laughs> this is gonna be a fascinating little three-way battle between those teams. You, you can't count Minnesota out. They're still a good team, but I just... I just don't think they have the horses. Yeah, I don't either. And now you you look at the National League, because the National League is interesting in the sense that I think that the Braves are absolutely it, and they're nine games up on... Uh, I think Sorry, they're six and a half games up on Philadelphia, who are the number two, two, the number two spot. San Diego is... Uh, Way further out there. They're nine games behind the Braves. So the Braves, I think, are in the playoffs no matter what, whether they win the division or, or the wild card. I think the Phillies are pretty much in as well. Yeah, they're good. The Phillies are only two and a half games up on San Diego, but and Milwaukee's only a game behind them. But the Brewers have been playing so poorly. <sighs> that one deal. That one deal funny, that they jo- made. Josh Hader has been brutal for the Padres. He pitched the other day, gave up six runs in the eighth inning. The as one of their pitchers, and it's escaping me the article that I saw that just said it was such a bad message to the the team to send him away on so many levels in terms of you know if I get good they're going to get rid of me eventually you know they're not going to hold this team together they don't care and you know, if, if you can't hang decide to hang on to your all star closer in a season like this where you needed him. You know, that it threw off the entire balance of that bullpen. And like I said, it just you can you just seems like it demoralized them. And they were skating on the edge as was. Great rotation. They had the back of the end bullpen and they had enough hitting to me. I thought they were gonna win it all this year. I picked them. But man, you just it was that that one move has just ripped that team apart. I still think that they will make the playoffs and the Padres will be out. And I say that not because I think the Brewers are a better team than the Padres, because they're not. I say that because the Brewers have a much easier schedule than the Padres do coming up. You have to be drooling a little bit at this, Fish. Do you know why you have to be drooling at this a little bit? Why do I have to be drooling at this a little bit? Are you ready? I am ready. Here's your Padres schedule. Scrolling down just a little bit. Thank you. There we go. At San Francisco for three. And the Giants give the Padres fits. At L.A. for three. I love that. Start start getting your fingers ready on that that little count. Arizona. Okay, that's easy. Home against the Dodgers. For three or four? For three. That's not, by the way, that Arizona series is not easy, but they should be able to win two or three at least. Two at Seattle. Three at Arizona. Easy. Three at home against St. Louis. Ouch. Three at Colorado. Three more against the Dodgers at home. Home against the White Sox, home against San Francisco. Nine You've got nine games, Fish, where your boys can send your those Padres now, back. And- the good thing for the Padres is the Dodgers will have obviously clinched well before this happens. Still going to be playing for home field, and those two series are coming up pretty quickly here. And the, so, they, they are they are playing for home field, but you got to remember the Dodgers at eighty nine and thirty eight right now. That's just, I mean, that's just sick. Eighty nine and thirty eight. 
They are six and a half games or seven games above the Mets. And six games above the uh, the Astros. Well, the thing for the Do- the Padres is though this Dodgers series, there's one here over Labor Day weekend, and then they play them right away again the next week. So six of those nine games are coming up where the Dodgers are still trying to put away home field. So Absolutely. The, and the, there, it, it, it's all the Padres could ask for. What, you know, you want to send the message. Yeah, what, here it is. If they had Fernando Tatis, it'd be a different story. What does the Brewers' remaining schedule look like? The Brewers' remaining schedule. I don't know why this popped to the top of the page. So, little, give me a little scroll of music, fish. That's all you got, the, yeah, the, the Wizard of Oz. I have you. no idea why the Wicked Witch of the West uh, came to me, but it did. I was going to do Omar from The Wire. Did you see that, by the way? I did. I sent I sent Fish a clip of Felix Batista, the and Orioles closer awesome. entrance. With a little Omar whistling to start from the wire. Set in Baltimore, of course. And the lights going crazy. Good open. Uh, two left home against Pittsburgh. Then they go to Arizona for four. Colorado for three. Look at uh, that. I mean, just right there. At, That's nine games they should win seven of. Home against San Francisco. That's another for one. For two. Uh, Cincinnati at home for three. Two at St. Louis. They host the Yankees, host the Mets. So that's going to be a little bit of a rough stretch. But at least they're but both in Baltimore and Milwaukee. Four at Cincy, two at home against St. Louis, and they finish with four in Miami, three at Arizona, or in home against Arizona. So so, uh, so, so, you have, so in your 35 games or so you have left, you have six with the Yankees and Mets and four with the Cardinals. Ten. Yep. Yep. Of the, so you have 25 games that should be relatively easy for you. Well, is anything easy for Milwaukee right now? No, but I mean, but just saying, it, it is. There's obviously a huge schedule edge there, uh, right? Unless Philadelphia has a really tough schedule, the Padres are done. Yeah, I I think the Phillies that team is just because they just with got getting Bryce, Bryce Harper, Harper back, back. They are in great shape. I wouldn't want to play them. Uh, do I think Atlanta, the Dodgers, and the Mets are better than them? Yes, because of the pitching, but they. They shored up in the places they need to. I mean, Philly and St. and St. Louis did an awesome job in the trading deadline. They filled the holes they needed to fill, and it's showing. I mean, they look great. Okay, so let, let's just say in the American League that it's Houston Yankees and Cleveland winning their divisions, and they'll stay in pretty much the same order. And that your wild cards, I think Seattle's the number one wild card, Tampa's two, and Toronto's three. Mm. Okay, I'll go with that. So that means your wild card rounds, you're going to have uh, Toronto has to play three in Cleveland. A lot of runs going to. Well, Cleveland's got some pretty good pitching, though. But And Tampa's got to play three in Seattle. And they just, Seattle just played Tampa. And I forgot how that series went. I think Seattle, Seattle handled them. I think so. And I think Seattle will handle them. And again. that would be at home. So let's say Seattle wins. And does who that Toronto Cleveland series is going to be banging? I'll take Toronto. I will too. So that would mean that Toronto would play the Yankees, and <laughs> Seattle will play Houston. Oh boy! Oh boy! <laughs> I like Toronto to beat the Yankees. I'm about to say you could have. I, oh, it, if my it, Orioles could get in there. I like them too. Oh. It would not. It would not shock me to see Toronto and Seattle in the ALCS. Wouldn't? No, absolutely not. I'll still take Houston to beat Seattle, but 
that's gonna that would be a terrific series. A terrific series. Great pitching in there. Great pitching. But, so, but Seattle's the, that getting Castillo round of the rotation oh, out. Absolutely. They are dangerous. I, I think, so then you're talking Houston, Toronto in the ALCS. Oh, it's gonna be a lot of baseballs flying out of the park. And I think Houston makes the World Series if that's the case. I still like Houston at this point. It, it, and if the, in the National League, I think you're going to see the order be the same as it is: Dodgers, Mets, Cardinals for the top three, the division winners. Unless God forbid Atlanta gets in there and wins it, but we'll, no. we'll stick with. And I think Atlanta is your number one wild card. Philadelphia is your number two wild card, and Milwaukee is your number three wild card. See, right? I still like San Diego though. And if that's the case, though, but th- this is where it really kills a team like the Dodgers. Because if that's the case, Milwaukee would play at St. Louis and Philadelphia would play at Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Which I think both St. Louis and Atlanta both win. Mm-hmm. Atlanta would then play the Dodgers oh, in the division geez, series. That's so bad. While St. Louis plays the Mets. That's an unfortunate break. But, yes, but I will. But I will say this: Would I be surprised if St. Louis would knock the Mets off in that series? Nope. Not with who I think nope. is the MVP and Paul Goldschmidt. I agree. Arenado's having a great year. Goldschmidt's going to win the Triple Crown. And they put that St. Louis put that rotation together. They really did. That trade, that little baby trade for Jordan Montgomery, Montgomery and that, and Jose Quintana and Quintana coming over from Pittsburgh has given them the depth in their pitching rotation that they so desperately needed. And, you, and you've seen it. Milwaukee just took a small step back, but they took a big leap forward. They're going to be scary, too. So St. Louis and the Mets, the Braves and the Dodgers. Who goes? I, I don't think it's a cakewalk for the Dodgers to beat the Braves. No, it's not. That's oh. the one team as the Dodgers you don't want to face. Nope. No, actually, the, the, the other team is the Mets. You don't want to face the Mets either. Because you don't have to. Because the problem with St. Louis going to the Mets is it'll be their number four starter probably going against Scherzer, and their number five starter going against Degrom. I don't know. I I'm more scared of Atlanta. Uh, better lineup, better lineup than the Mets to me. Yeah, uh, I I think that just the Mets have have mostly done it through pitching, but Atlanta has got a. But the a, fact a, that uh, the Dodgers. Man, would revel in the revenge of knocking out the team that knocked them out the year before. Yeah, I'm sure they would. But to a point, you know, everybody kind of talks and, about that stuff, and, but year to year and, to a point, no, you don't I know, care. But even more importantly, the Freddie Freeman story. Oh, I feel so bad for Freddie. <laughs> That's, that whole thing was such a fiasco. It was. So, I mean, if I have to pick, I can't pick against the Dodgers, not just because I'm a Dodger fan. I just... How do you pick against a team that's fifty-one games over five hundred? No, they're still the favorites to go to the World Series. And because but, and because of the way the rotations line up, I'm going to say it's going to be the Dodgers and the Mets. So Dodgers, Mets, we'll go with that. Astros, Blue Jays. I honestly think you're looking at an Astros Mets World Series. Wow, you're going to take the Mets over your boys? That rotation scares the bejesus out of you. You know, the th- here's the thing, though. And it happened to him the other night. I think Scherzer lost a one nothing game. Everybody's like, oh, you got DeGrom, we got Scherzer. That's two wins locked. No, it's not. It sh- Should it be? Yeah. But if if you beat one of them, especially in a five-game series, <laughs> that's trouble, man. 
Or well, there's no five game series. It, it, but in yeah, a seven, yeah, there aren't, yeah, there aren't the division series five games. I believe it's the three games of the wild card, five games of the division, seven games for the LCS. I'll double check it. But you, you know, in a, in a seven game series, for example, if you're relying on saying we're going to get the four wins with the Degrom and Scherzer, if you drop one of those games, and you're going to have, probably have ace against ace in. Those series, absolutely. You lose that game, but, and, oh, but, but that's especially what, with the first two, you're that's ooh. that's where the loss of Walker Bueller for the Dodgers really hurts. Because as good as Julio Arias has been, for as good as Dustin May is, for as good as Clayton Kershaw is, not a single one of them is the kind of guy that goes, "Oh no, we have to face blank today. We have to face Degrom today. We have to face Scherzer today." The Dodgers don't have the Dodgers have the depth going from one through five. I mean. Gonsolin, if he if he's healthy, please God, and and uh, Andrew Heaney's been absolutely phenomenal, just a revelation, and Tyler Anderson as well. Yeah, and but I, none of them scare you. And I apologize. Division series is a best of five. Is it two three? It's got to be two two one. Two right? two one. And then the uh, LCS World Series are two three two. Yeah, two two one. Uh, that's an interesting format. Don't lose one of those first two games with your aces. No. Absolutely, especially if you're the Mets, you're in trouble if you lose one of those first two. And and that's, it's a very fragile balance that the Mets have, very fragile. But that's why, like I said, it's such an advantage to have that buy because then you, because if it's a bet, you only have to win three games, and you're in game one, it's the four starter going against the one starter. How much of a huge advantage is that to give the basically giving game one to the to the team that had the buy? Maybe we'll see. But it, it depends on the team. That's very true because you know you catch, like we said, you catch fire and it's done. You know, and and maybe you, and the and the thing is that you can't take a chance in that first round with a, you know, with a three game series. You know, trying to set your rotation up and say, well, you know, we'll we'll hold this guy back for game three if we need it. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I'm I'm trying to win it. And, I'm trying to win in two and get the hell out of there. I am very happy. That they are done with the one and done wild card game. Yeah, I didn't like that. I, I I thought that was so unfair. You're playing 162 games to play one game. Yeah, that's not right. At least you get a chance to play three. Yep. Yeah, this is mm, this is going to be a fun series. By the way, Judge hit his 50th home run. Let's take a look at that Richard Badge and Philly Toyota Town score. Yeah, we, we should. Not yet, because we can also take a look at uh, some overnights in the last 10 minutes or so that we have in the show. It's just baseball has gotten to, has has been from a very blah season to a very interesting season very quickly. Let's go. It's, it's interesting because of, <laughs> just because of the way it's broken down. Because teams that were shoe ins, like the Blue Jays going into the season, like the Padres going into the season, I thought the Brewers were like the Brewers too. going into this are no longer in that spot. I mean. So, who, would have, who would have thought, even in, in May, that the Seattle Mariners would be a team that's pretty much assuring to be in the playoffs? You know, and, and the thing was that I felt like they were the, the odd team out at the beginning of the season. But getting Luis Castillo, just huge. Oh. And to be honest with you, I was rightfully wrong, an embarrassment of riches, whatever you want to call it, I was ticked off the Dodgers did not get Castillo because that's what I thought they needed. Yeah, definitely would have helped. I <laughs> Of course, there's a lot of teams that Luis Castillo would have helped anybody. Absolutely. I didn't want Frankie Montas. I wanted Luis Castillo. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, uh, Richard Batch and Philly Toyota out of town scoreboard. St. Louis and Cincinnati, the Cardinals were a minus 205. They just destroyed the Reds 13-4. to You know, the, you can't bet on this Reds team anymore because the offense is just gone. They traded away too many guys at the deadline. Yeah, that was painful. I, 
Do- Seen that in Baltimore. Dodgers and Marlins. Michael Grove making his major league debut for the Dodgers. Was supposed to be Gonsolin. He was scratched and put on the injured list. Dodgers win the game 3-2. to two. Uh, Pittsburgh and Milwaukee. The Pirates actually up 4 to nothing, I believe, in this game. Brewers came back to win 7-5. to five. Everybody blowing leads tonight. Nice job. Yeah, well, the Phillies better hope that continues because they're at minus 174 at Arizona and Madison Bumgarner. Right now, the Diamondbacks at the top of the eighth, up 12-7. to seven. Whee! Meanwhile, in uh, San Francisco, the ace for the Giants, Carlos Rodon on the hill against Mike Levenger and the, and the Padres. Padres up 6-2. to two. They're still a good team, Fish. Oh, I know. Uh, I, I think the Tatis thing... Really hurt them though. They're still they I'm still talking, got pretty I, good I, 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 I don't even mean on the field. I don't mean numbers wise. I mean mentally, it really hurt the team. Oh, that had to be huge. I, I think that they were preparing mentally. They're in their head. They were like, "We got Juan Soto. We're getting Tatis back. We are going to rock." Yeah. And then Tatis isn't coming back. I think it, it destroyed them mentally. Uh, Boston and Minnesota. The Twins win the game 4-2, to two. so all of a sudden after a six-game losing streak, I think they have now won three or four in a row. Way to blow that bleed again, Red Sox. You suck. Yankees and Angels in what? Anaheim. Get with the Angels winning 4-3. to three. The Angels are... Did they just sweep the Blue Jays? They hurt them. Yeah, this is... Uh... And now they beat the Yankees, too. Could you imagine if the Yankees blow that lead? I'm telling you, and, and I said, oh. I, I, we had this discussion earlier this year. I think it was just a few weeks ago. Aaron Boone may lose his job. If, you know, they, they I, I mean, honestly, I didn't think they were going to win the division this year. I so the hot so start that they had, if you remember last year, the pitching was the bugaboo, but now it's inconsistent hitting. Yeah, like I, we've said it, the problem has been they, they count on the home run too much. The only other game... Uh, Cubs and Blue Jays, we talked about it earlier. Blue Jays ended up winning that game 5-4 to four after being down 4 nothing. I hate you, Cubs. All right, tomorrow, that's, that's, <laughs> I'm, I, I'm not going to, game, certain games I'm not going to talk about because there's no point. Like, I'm not, we're not betting Reds and, and Cardinals. There's no money to be made there. Dodgers and Mets, Andrew Heaney, Taiwan Walker. Andrew Heaney and the Dodgers are minus 135. Hmm. You know what? I'll take the Dodgers. I like the I'll, Dodgers. I'll In that Dodgers. matchup tomorrow, I do like them. Uh, Colorado, Atlanta has no point. Pittsburgh, Milwaukee, I don't think you can touch that game. Philadelphia and Arizona. Very interesting game. Aaron Nola, Zach Gallon. Zach Gallon is an absolute stud for Arizona. Nola's only a minus 130. I like the Diamondbacks on that. I would say if the, if the Phillies would have won tonight, I like the Diamondbacks tomorrow. If the Phillies lose tonight, I like the, the Phillies tomorrow. I still like uh, I still like Arizona tomorrow. I think it's a good matchup. Padres and Giants, Blake Snell and Logan Webb. Blake Snell's a minus one twenty two. I like the Giants tomorrow. Mm. Yeah, oh, that's tough. Uh, yeah, I, I could I could go with you, but that there's not a lot of value on either side. So Orioles and Guardians. In Cleveland, it's Cal Quantrill and Spencer Watkins. Cal Quantrill and the Guardians are minus 150. Wow, I've got a 160 on mine. It opened at minus 151. I have it at minus 150. Bet your Orioles and Spencer Watkins. Do it. Is that, a, is that a head or a heart thing? That is a head. That is I, a head I, thing. Actually, Quantrill is the one guy from the Guardians I think you can bet against and feels pretty safe. Watkins has been pitching great. Okay, I'm not touching Seattle, Detroit. There's no point. Boston, Minnesota, Chris Archer and Cutter Crawford. 
Chris Archer's a minus one thirty. I'll take the blue. I'll take the Red Sox tomorrow. Boy, can you count on that Red Sox team though? I don't know. Uh, uh, I I I would stay with the Twins on that, but Yankees and Angels, Jamison Tyone and Mike Mayers. Right now, the Angels are red freaking hot. So, uh, but I'm not betting against the Yankees. I'll say the Yankees. Uh, Tampa, Miami is nothing there. Cubs in Toronto. Marcus Stroman, Kevin Gossman. Kevin Gossman's a minus two hundred two. I'll take the Cubs. I really will because there's a lot of value there. Yep. KT I'm with you. back in the seat tomorrow night. This has been the Fish Tank. Andrew the Fish Fane, Mark Hoke. Have a great night, everybody, and be safe.